So I was 15 years old, involved in a student ministry in Cobb County, and uh, every summer we actually went on a summer camp. Now, I didn't get the chance to do it every single summer, but one that stood out to me specifically, I think I was around the age of 15, and I uh, went on that summer camp, and what happened was our student pastor actually challenged us during our free time to go and share the gospel of Jesus with people, and so... It's pretty interesting. He loaded us up with a bunch of tracks, and, and then they dropped us off at one of these surf shops and said, get after it, right? And they paired us up. And so I remember I was paired up with a guy named Adam, and Adam and I really weren't all that great of friends. I knew him from school, but it was pretty wild how God sovereignly placed us together, and we went through that surf shop, which, by the way, was a massive place, and we just ran up to people, and we would hand these little tracks out to them, and before you know it, we'd have conversations going where we shared the gospel with them and told them how they could turn from their sin, place their faith in Jesus, and have all their sin forgiven and be given a brand new life in Jesus. So we shared that, and as we did it, what was interesting is that we really encouraged each other through the whole process. And so I found out at age 15 that if you have someone with you when you share the gospel, it's actually very helpful. And not only this, I started thinking as I was studying, uh, whenever I went to college, I met a guy named Jason. He and I, you know, grew in a friendship with each other. But then we also got involved in sharing the gospel of Jesus with other people together. It's a pretty awesome thing. We started a, a ministry in Rome called the College Ministry of Rome, Georgia. And had a great time there reaching out to others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. After college, my wife and I were married. We moved to Centerville, Georgia. I was a student pastor there. And I can recall times in the past where she and I both would actually go to a person's house and we would share the gospel with a student or we would sit down and actually share the gospel with the parents of those students. And we would kind of bounce off of each other and encourage one another in the process of sharing Jesus. And then I remember when I went to pastor for the very first time at a church in Austell. And while I was there, man, God began to allow people just to come that I could become friends with and be involved in sharing the gospel with them. You know, I had a buddy named Michael. He and I used to eat on a regular basis, and we'd go out to eat lunch. And whenever we had a waiter or waitress, uh, you know, we would share the gospel with that person. We would together uh, look for an opportunity, look for an open door so that we could share Jesus with them. And then I met a guy named Wesley who was visiting our church, and Wesley actually came to faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, not long after that, he was so radically changed by the power of the gospel that he wanted to go and share Jesus with other people. And so I started hanging out with him, and he and I went, and I remember us going to houses and actually sitting down and sharing Christ with individuals so that they could come to faith in Jesus. Now Wesley was a good friend of mine. Wesley then started dating my sister, and they got married. Subsequently, I don't like him anymore. But isn't it amazing how God just puts people in your life? And I even thought about coming to Concord, that God has really placed people in my life, and I've been able to be in their life, and we've been able to go together with the mission of making disciples everywhere. You know, as I study the Scripture, Old and New Testament alike, oftentimes we discover that God actually puts people together on purpose. And their friendships are not just surface friendships, but they are friendships that are reaching out with the good news of who the Lord is. So as I think about that, even I think of Jesus in the New Testament. He sent 70 people out to do ministry together, but he sent them out in pairs. And then they all came back and they recorded and told the Lord Jesus what they had been involved in doing. And so here again we see Jesus setting people aside as friends. And I thought about our church body. I thought to myself, how many friends in our church do we have 
that are actually involved in the mission of making disciples together your friendships you have people like that you know over the course of the past few weeks we've been involved in this message series entitled engage we're seeking to prioritize a missionary lifestyle and we've given you the idea of a mission truck all right so you're sitting in the truck and there's four gears and you pop the clutch on first gear that's you making yourself available you're just stepping forward saying Lord I want to be involved in the mission and God is inviting every single one of us to be involved in that. And then as we shift down in the second gear, we say, you know what? I want not only myself to be involved, but my entire family. So I just want to pass on the truths of the gospel in the mission to those in my family. And then as we move to the third gear, we want to engage our finances in the mission. Last week we talked about how we can just grin and give. But fourth gear is when you're really humming, bro, all right? That's when you're getting after it. And I'm afraid a lot of people don't get into that gear. Fourth gear is when your friendships are engaged in the mission of making disciples. So I'm going to talk to you about that this morning for a bit. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 17 in your Bible, if you've got it with you, I'd invite you to open it with me. Proverbs chapter 17 and verse 17, and let's stand together all across the building in honor of God's Word. And you've got it there in front of you, say yes. And uh, if not, guess what? It's on the screen up here, all right? Proverbs 17 and verse 17. And I want us to all read it together. Okay, so I'm going to count to three. It's a short verse. Let's read it together. One, two, three. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, notice the first phrase. A friend loves at all times. Now, the word loves there is not sappy love. It's not some kind of puppy love. Uh, this speaks of a loyal love that friends have with one another. And what's awesome here is that these kinds of friends, they love at all times. Now, I'm going to take that principle, and I want to apply it right now to the friendships that you have in the context of making disciples. So even in the context of seeking to make disciples, God has sovereignly placed people around you that you can link together with. And in those times, in those occasions, you can be loyal to that person as you move with them to share the good news of Jesus. We're going to talk about how to do that today, but before we do that, let's pray. Father, what a great privilege and opportunity to preach this morning once again. And God, I thank you for this church body and what you're doing in our midst. And God, I want to pray in the name of Jesus that you would open our eyes to the fact that there are followers of Jesus all around us. And God, perhaps you want to link some together in tight friendships that are moving forward with the gospel, leading others to faith in Jesus. God, get as many of us into fourth gear as possible for your namesake and for your glory. God, I pray you'd fill me with your spirit. Speak truth to your church today. Draw people to salvation who don't know you, and we'll give you glory for it. And it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. And everybody said, amen. So you can be seated. Let's talk about how friendships work together and what those friendships look like when they're involved in the mission. All right? I got you three things this morning. Here goes the very first one. They have similar passions. These friendships have similar passions. Now, again, when I say similar passions, I'm not talking about surface passions. Uh, this isn't the fact that you know somebody who loves steak and ale and the Georgia Bulldogs, all right? What I'm talking about is a deeper level of passion, a spiritual passion, that perhaps God has people, even in this fellowship, sitting around you who have similar passions as you. And as a result, God wants to link you guys together so that y'all can do ministry together. 
It's pretty interesting. As you read Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he actually magnifies his relationship with Timothy. And there's no doubt that Paul and Timothy's relationship rebounded to God's glory and much fruit was born as a result of their mission work together. But Paul, writing to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, actually describes his relationship with Timothy. And I want you to listen to the words that he uses to describe that. So listen to the text. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interest and not those of Christ Jesus. Now, according to this text, don't you listen, Paul and Timothy had a similar passion. In fact, Paul says that Timothy and uh, himself actually were kindred spirits. It's the same term used to speak of someone who is like-minded or someone who is like-souled. And so here you have Paul and Timothy, Paul saying of Timothy that we actually think alike. We both have this great desire to actually move forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that all people may come to know Him. And it's not only were they thinking alike, but that word kindred spirit carries with it the idea that they were like soul, that they actually had some of the same feelings. So their hearts broke over the same things. Their hearts were beating zealously for the exact same things. And Paul says, that's what kind of relationship that I have with Timothy. And he's sending him now to represent uh, Paul as he heads to the church at Philippi. But it's phenomenal as you see these two individuals. Not only was there a mentorship, but there was indeed a great friendship. And these friends were involved in the mission of making disciples. You know, there's something extremely encouraging about serving with people who have a similar passion. You know, our church staff is reading a book right now, and we're encouraged to look at the life of our fellowship. And in doing so, we realize that God actually links people together to serve who have similar passions. The friendships become so strong, this book says, that they will serve in just about any capacity in ministry just so long as they can do it together. You know, it's an awesome thing to witness the Lord forge friendships right in front of our eyes as individuals are linked together with the similar passions and they move forward with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I want you to think about that this morning and look at me eyeball to eyeball. Do you have any friends like that? Friends who have similar spiritual passions? And together you and this friend actually are single-minded, seeking after the interest of the Lord Jesus Christ, wanting to be involved in what God is doing here on the earth. You got people like that in your life? Individuals with similar passions make a great impact for God's kingdom. But then there's a second reality about these friendships. And again, this is fourth gear, so we're getting after it. But they are also reaching others together. They reach others together. You know, the people that came to my mind for this were Peter and Andrew. Andrew was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, before that, he was a disciple of John the Baptist. It's pretty awesome because John the Baptist points at Jesus and says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And Andrew left John the Baptist and started following Jesus. And then Andrew ran to his brother and friend, Peter, and said, You've got to come and you've got to see Jesus. Now, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 4 on one occasion that Jesus is walking alongside the Sea of Galilee and Peter and Andrew are in a boat there. And Jesus says to Peter and Andrew, uh, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And the Bible says in that moment they drop their nets and they begin to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now I want you to think about this, all right? Jesus says, follow me, I'm going to make you fishers of men. That was the uh, very mission of Jesus in the life of Peter and Andrew. And can you imagine how many people Peter and Andrew had the opportunity to witness to, to share the good news of Jesus Christ? See, God raised them up. God planted them together. God used them as a friendship to reach others for the cause of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you have a friend like that? Are y'all out there say yes? Do you have a friend like that in your life? Well, let me kind of uh, give you a few questions just to consider, okay? I know this is, uh, th- this is like people don't preach on this, so just pay attention, all right? I want to ask you a few questions. Is there somebody in your life that you can call up on the telephone and say, hey, you know so-and-so? Uh, yeah, I know them. Well, do you know that they don't have a relationship with Jesus? Are you, are you having conversations like that with somebody in your life? They say, well, no, 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 not, not doing that. Well, you need to. Or, or hey, how about this? Are you calling people up and saying, hey, hey, you know so-and-so, I just talked to you about them. Oh, yeah, I know them. Hey, do, you know they're outside of the faith. We need to pray for those people. How about you pray for them and I'll pray for them. And we'll really just lift them up and ask God to change their hearts. Are you down with that? And they're like, yeah, well, I'm down with that. So they hang up and you run into them next week. And hey, have you been praying for so-and-so? Sure have. Been lifting them up. Or how about a step further? Is it you got somebody you can call and say, hey, you know, we've been praying for so-and-so. Why don't we go see them? Why don't we sit down and let's share Jesus with them? Y'all ain't on the other end of this line, are you? (laughs) Hey, hey, let's be involved together in sharing the good news of Christ. And again, it's amazing when you read the New Testament how many friendships are forged to engage in the mission. We need friends like this. And when you and I think of individuals who've made a large impact for the kingdom of God, oftentimes we think of just that, individuals. But did you know this morning that uh, typically whenever you point at an individual, there's a team of friends behind that individual? Let me give you an example, all right? You've got Billy Graham. Y'all heard of him before? Billy Graham has preached the gospel to more people on the planet than any other person from what I understand. That's amazing. Always sharing Jesus, right? But if you look at Billy Graham's life, you'll find that there are two close friends who have been with him for quite some time. Cliff Barrows, George Beverly Shea. And these men have linked together by God's sovereign hand and become such friends that they not only have similar passions, but now together they are reaching others for the cause of Jesus. You know, last weekend I was uh, mowing the grass, right? So here I am outside mowing the grass and... I was listening to preaching on my iPod. Y'all with me on that? And so there's some preaching going on. And by the way, if you drive by and I'm mowing the grass and I'm hollering amen, it's called somebody just made a good point. Y'all with me? And so here I am. I'm mowing the grass and I'm listening to a guy named James McDonald. I've listened to him many times preach. And he's a pastor up in Chicago. And he begins to share this story about how he almost gave up the church there because it just wasn't going well. So he tells this story. And I'm sitting here mowing the grass listening to him talk. And he says, you know, we were only uh, running about 100 in this church that we had started. And nobody had been saved in many months. And, you know, I would gotten this phone call to go pastor another church up in Canada. And, man, I wanted to go. And so I sat down with my friend Rick, who also was on staff at that church. And Rick said, yeah, man, if you've got a chance to go there, listen, I've got a chance already. They're calling me to go on staff at this church over here in another state. But what's amazing is that James McDonald actually records what happens. He says, you know, me and Rick, we sat down and we, we prayed. And we sought the Lord and asked the Lord what we should do. And they both got up from the prayer and here's what they said. We're going to give it two more years. 
Now think about that, right? These two friends now are saying, two more years. Let's keep plowing the ground. Let's keep planting the gospel. Let's see what God does. And now on the weekends, they are reaching literally thousands upon thousands of people with the gospel. And the ministry now is a global ministry. Now you think about that. They were that close to quit. But what kept them there serving together was their friendship. God used that. Now, I know it may, maybe you're thinking right now, so eyeball to eyeball for a second. You're probably thinking, well, Levi, you're talking about people in full-time ministry. Hey, man, that ain't me, right? You're, you, maybe you teach at a school somewhere. You work in a factory. Maybe you're at the bank, or maybe you sell something for a living. You're like, that's not me, man. That's, those are for preachers and evangelists and not me. Uh, let me. Let me tell you about two other people. You may or may not know them. Uh, his name's Randy Goss and Jim Hopstetter. Y- y- have you ever heard of these people? They actually go to church here. I think they're in this service. Are you guys here today? Randy, I see you. Is Jim here? There's Jim right there. Here's what's awesome about these two guys. And I've seen them over many weeks, right? On Wednesday night, I've seen them gathering together in a small room, looking at opportunities to go out and share the gospel. And so what I did is I called Randy this week. I said, Randy, I want to talk about you and Jim Sunday. First of all, let me ask you, are y'all friends? He said, yes. I said, good, all right. Uh, you guys are going out sharing the gospel. Yes, that's what we're doing. We love it. And here's the deal. They have similar passions. And together now, God's brought them together. They have this friendship. And now they are going out to reach others with the gospel of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? That's happening here. And you know what's crazy too, Jim? Out in the foyer after the 930 service. I can't even make this stuff up. I just This makes such good preaching. Y'all with me? But in the 9.30 service out here, I run into some guests that I've never seen before. Hey, welcome. So glad that you guys are here. Can I help you all find where you're headed? Are you looking for a, a small group? Yeah, we sure are. A guy named Jim Hopstetter invited us to come. And then he brought a card out that had your name on it. Are you all listening to what I'm saying? What is the deal? The deal is similar passions, like-minded, going out with the gospel. Now listen, their relationship is no less greater or nor more greater than Billy Graham, Cliff Barrows, George Beverly Shea. The thing is that God has just chosen to bring them together and to use them for a season to push forward the mission. And here's the deal. I'm absolutely confident there are people in your life probably sitting around you this morning that God has placed there and you have similar passions and you need to reach out together with the gospel. Listen, God's not called you So you can be saved and just come to church and watch me preach every weekend. God has called you to be involved in this mission. Man, I want to challenge you. Get into fourth gear. Who is that friend? Who can you get involved in? All right, so y'all ready for number three? Say yes. Y'all ain't heard preaching like this before. Y'all all all right? Number three, uh, these friendships, they hold you up. They hold you up. And this is, this is phenomenal, right? Uh, whenever you're involved in the mission, you're on the front lines of spiritual warfare. See, the enemy can't bother Jesus, right? Uh, the enemy can't discourage Jesus. So you know what the enemy does? The enemy attacks the body of Jesus, which is the church. That's you and I, right? And so the enemy now wants to come and actually discourage us and cause us to become exhausted in the ministry, maybe even to throw in the towel and not be involved in the mission. But what you need and what I need are people in our life who will come alongside and just hold us up. And my mind immediately rushes to uh, Exodus chapter 17. If you grew up in church, you knew the story. If not, listen, uh, Moses tells Joshua, Joshua, uh, the Amicalites out here want to fight us. So Joshua, you put together an army and you go down and fight those individuals. 
I'm with Moses. Y'all with me on that one? You put it together and you go. God bless you. All right? All right? So, but he sends him on. And then what the Bible says is that Moses goes up on the hillside and actually overlooks the battle. Now, y'all remember Moses' staff, right? His staff is awesome. And as he's overlooking the battle of Joshua and the Israelites with the Amicalites, the Bible says that he holds up his staff. And check this out. Every single time he held up his staff, the Israelites started winning. Now, he got tired of holding the staff up. You know, his arms got weary and he got exhausted. So he began to kind of slink down. And whenever he began to slink down, they began to lose. And so what happened is God had friends around Moses at that time, Aaron and Hur. And Aaron and Hur, they took stones and put them underneath his elbows to try to help prop him up, but he couldn't stay up very long. And before you know it, the Bible says Aaron and Hur come along and grab the very arms of Moses and hold him up. Then the scripture teaches us in Exodus chapter 17 that as his arms were held up, the Lord gave victory to the Israelites. I want you to think about that for a second. You in a spiritual battle, seeking to remain faithful to the mission to make disciples everywhere, taking the gospel which the Lord Jesus has given you at the moment of your conversion. You were saved for this. Listen, you were taken out of darkness, put in this marvelous light. Listen to this. So that. You could proclaim the excellencies of Jesus. That's why you were saved. God's given you that gospel. God's put people around you now. And when you become faithful and sharing that, you're going to face hardships in your life. And you're going to need friends that come and hold you up. And be very careful, okay? Don't always put yourself in the position of Moses in that story. You may be the Aaron or the her who needs to hold somebody up. Now, I'll shoot you straight. I've hit areas in my life where I needed people to hold up my arms before. But there was a time when I was pastoring another church and people weren't being converted. There were several months go by and I felt like nobody was making any decisions. You know what I would do? I would pray harder. And I came into the worship center there. We had pews, not chairs. And I used to crawl up underneath the pews and write people's names down on the pew under the seat. Those who were outside the faith and pray God would save them. Those people would show up to church, and then I would preach hard. I preached loud. Y'all listen. I thought, maybe if I scream harder, they'll pay attention. So I would scream. Maybe I should try that here. <laughs> but I would yell, and I would invite them to make a decision to follow Christ, and they wouldn't move. And I got so discouraged one time. I thought, what in the world's going on? Maybe, maybe I'm missing the boat here. Maybe I'm messing up somewhere. But then Jeff, who was a friend of mine in ministry, came alongside and basically said, chill out, man. Y'all with me on that? That was real spiritual of him, wasn't it? Chill out, man. Listen, the Lord's the one who causes these people to be born again. You don't worry about that. You just keep preaching. You just keep preaching. And what a source of encouragement that was to me. So I would just get up and keep preaching. If people didn't respond, I can't help that. I just need to be faithful to what God's called me to do. He's, he, listen, he was a friend to help hold me up in that time. There's another time I faced a difficulty when a rumor about me was being spread that was untrue. And I had a good buddy named Patrick who came alongside and he stood for me. And he spoke truth. Man, he was holding my arms up. What an awesome, awesome guy. I said, do you, do you have people like that in your life? 
And here's the deal. Whenever you are engaged in the mission and God puts these friends around you with similar passions, and by similar passions, man, that may very well be that you have a passion for those who need help in our community, and maybe you have this gift of mercy and somebody else does, and man, y'all want to use that together to reach out for the gospel of Jesus. We see that happening in the Hope Center here. Or maybe you guys are a little more confrontational, and maybe you got somebody like you, and y'all just want to go and knock on doors. I mean, there are people like that in our church body as well. Maybe you're more relational, and what you want to do is you want to get some Christian friends and maybe invite over to your house some individuals who don't know the Lord and spend time with them, whatever the case is. But God's put those people here, and whenever you get involved in it, you're going to find there are times when you become discouraged and weary. But those are the times when those individuals who are in your life will come and lift you up and encourage you. Keep on keeping on. And listen, some of you are here today, and my heart aches for you because when you talk about ministry, you always talk about the past. The past is hero in your life. You talk about what you used to do, where you used to go, who you used to talk with, who you used to be hanging out with, doing ministry together, and you're always talking about what happened way back there. But listen, 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 here's the, here's the key, okay? Maybe this is a word for you this morning. If all you're doing is looking back, then you need to realize God still has more for you unless you give up now. Don't give up. Maybe I can be Aaron or her to you this morning and come alongside you and say, Hey, man, you used to have such a passion for the gospel. You and your friends used to share it. Let me lift those arms back up, man. Get back in the fight. And be encouraged to do so. Now, some of you guys may have heard of uh, David Brainerd. Uh, David Brainerd was a uh, missionary who had a great heart to go uh, to the Indians in New England. And David Brainerd, uh, an interesting guy, his health was horrible. He could barely do anything without growing so weary that all he could do is fall asleep. But but he went to uh, the Indians in New England with the gospel because God put it on his heart. And while he was there, he realized he couldn't speak all the dialects of every single person in the Indian tribes. And so... He was at a disadvantage. Then he ran into this guy uh, whose name was Tan Tammy. Y'all ever heard of Tan Tammy? Me neither, till this past week. Y'all with me? But that's an awesome name, isn't it? If we were having another kid, it'd be Tan Tammy Skipper. Can I get a witness on that? (laughs) But Tan Tammy knew all of the Indian dialects and spoke wonderful English. And so David Brainerd talking to him says, Tan Tammy, would you come with me and actually be my interpreter? And Tan Tammy says to David Brainerd, well, I'm not a preacher. Not only am I not a preacher, but I've heard you preach, and I'm not even a Christian. David Brainerd said, well, that's okay. You come with me anyway and just speak whatever I speak. So Tan Tammy agreed, and they went together, and they went into all these Indian tribes, and they spoke the gospel, and Tan Tammy was the interpreter. And while Tan Tammy was interpreting the gospel message one day, God began to work in his heart. And after the message was over with, Tan Tammy came up to David Brainerd and said, David, today I have taken Jesus as my Savior. And then listen to what he says. You and I now are Christian friends. You hear that? You, you hear what I just said? Friends. Now, fast forward uh, David Brainerd's life. He's about to die. And by the way, he dies at age 29. But before he passes away brings him to be cared for at the home of Jonathan Edwards. Y'all ever heard of him? Yeah, Jonathan Edwards was a powerful preacher. He preached sinners in the hands of an angry God. And his wife took care of David Brainerd in his final years. He breathed his last breath in that home. But while he was there, David Brainerd told the story of all that God had done among the Indians to Jonathan Edwards. Jonathan Edwards, after the passing of David Brainerd, wrote a biography about David's life. 
And that biography has impacted tons of people. Missionaries that you know. Missionaries like Adoniram Judson was influenced by him. And it is amazing as I begin to look at all the people who were impacted by his life. But check this out. Come here, come here. I want you to hear this part right here. Look at What's amazing is that he would not have made near the impact that he made without Tan Tammy. And nobody knows who Tan Tammy is. You might very well be the friend like Tan Tammy that God uses to help catapult the mission. Step forward, make yourself available. Pass it on to your family. This is what we do. Grin and give. We want to be generous toward the mission. And then, listen, if your friends are going to be involved in it, here's the key to that one. Here here it is. Come here, come here. I'm almost done, I promise. Here's the key. You just got to bring it up. Somebody's got to bring it up. Listen, listen. Somebody's got to be bold enough to say to one of your friends, hey, man, you know so-and-so, I don't think they know Jesus. Maybe we ought to pray for them. You know, I think that's a great idea. And then maybe later on you say, well, hey, well, how about we just, you know, we've been praying for them. Why don't we go talk to them? I think that's a great idea. Why don't we go talk to them? And then you go talk to them. Were y'all following me there? I was two people at once. It's an amazing feat. Could you imagine what this church will be like if God began to forge friendships and we actually went out with Jesus Christ and his gospel? It would blow our minds what God could do through this fellowship. But you got to bring it up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this morning. Thank you for the word. What an, what an awesome uh, example in Paul and Timothy. Uh, what an awesome picture with Moses, Aaron, and her. What a great reminder, even in Proverbs 17, 17, that a friend is loyal at all times. And what a great